passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. You are listening to Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. We are here for you once again to talk about everything that's going on down on the plains. We are, of course, going to be talking about that Super Bowl. A couple former Auburn guys are now Super Bowl champs, and of course, I want to get J-Cam's opinion on the big game that we were all tuned in to watch on Sunday. We're going to wrap up our conversation from last week about National Signing Day. We're going to talk basketball. And then we've got another stud guest joining us at the end. We've talked about him a lot in the past few weeks. Figured it was a good time to have him on to speak for himself. We've got former linebacker K.J. Britt. Oh, yeah, you know him. You love him. K.J. Britt's joining us today to talk all about this upcoming draft let us know what he's up to and what he's anticipating for his career in the league. So it's going to be a great episode. We are so glad you've joined us, as always. Hope everyone enjoyed their Super Bowl Sunday. I know I did. J.K.M., did you, did you stick to that healthy diet you're attempting right now, even on Super Bowl Sunday? That, that just doesn't, that doesn't fit, you know? Well, Taylor, you know me so well because we've been doing the show together for a while now. You know I did not stick to my diet. No Thank way. Goodness. I had nacho cheese, homemade nacho <laughs> cheese with uh, beef. And also I had a slice of pizza, had chicken wings. So I paid for oh, it yeah. the next day, though. I got my butt up. I worked out extremely hard. I pushed myself okay. to the limits, made sure I got it out of my system. But, you, you know, I was disappointed in the Super Bowl. Hmm. I was too, Jay. I was. And uh, another reason that I just like, you know, ate whatever I wanted because I wasn't as invested as the game in the game as I thought I was going to be and felt the same way about the halftime performance. Got to be honest. But we're going to talk about all of that. We'll give you our honest opinions. You know, we will. But before we get into all of our topics today, I got to tell you about our sponsor. Of course, it's betonline.ag and football might be officially over But NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place that you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. This place just gets so creative, makes it fun for everybody, so you want to go check it out. They have hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, like we always say, the 24-hour online casino that never closes. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So again, betonline.ag. You can use your mobile device or the web and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus right now. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 
Okay, I'm going to save the Super Bowl conversation for the end because I feel like we're going to get animated and have a lot to say. Real quickly, want to go through a couple things that are updates for this Auburn football program. After our last episode, it was uh, the week of National Signing Day, and we talked about the recruiting class and a lot of the guys who had officially signed to become part of this program. We got another later edition that Jason and I did not get to talk about, so wanted to acknowledge that we now have three-star running back Jarquez Hunter out of Mississippi. And we did talk on our podcast episode last that the running back room had actually become way more scarce than it has been in a long time because of the departure of guys like Mark Anthony Richards and DJ Williams who decided to enter the transfer portal. We were basically down to Sean Shivers and Tank Bigsby. Then of course they announced that they were moving Devin Barrett from the defensive side to running back, which is what he used to play. So we're at three and now you bring in a guy like Jarquez Hunter and you feel like you can breathe a little bit easier. I'm sure Cadillac was grateful to see that one sign his way over because he Look, the way that this Auburn offense at least has run in the past, now we don't necessarily know what Harson's going to come in and implement with Mike Bobo, but what Auburn has thrived off of is a run-first offense. And I don't necessarily expect that they're going to deviate so far from that, especially when you've got a guy like Tank Bixby in the program. So I think there's still going to be a very run-heavy offense. You've got to have those big physical backs. And when you're putting so much on them, like your is inevitable in the SEC, you've got to have a lot of guys in the wings so that their bodies can withstand the gauntlet of season. So to see this list expand and see them add more bodies to the running back room, is incredibly encouraging. That signing also bumped up our class to number 27 nationally. I know that still does not look good to a lot of people, but again, a lot of quality, maybe not the quantity that you're expecting, but a lot of really solid guys. But Jason, there are still a lot of areas of concern for this program in terms of personnel and and hopefully still bringing being able to bring in a few more guys. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about some position groups, some areas uh, of notable misses that this program is still going to have to focus on in the coming months? Yeah, you make great points there, Taylor. Uh, Of course, you know, the running back position is always a key position at Auburn. When you think about right now uh, us having Tank and and Shivers, but then we moved Barrett over from defense to to the running back position. So to get the kid Mm -hmm. out of Mississippi was a huge, huge go for us. Um, Mm -hmm. But the most important decision on offense outside of running back right now is the receiving room. The reason I Mm -hmm. say that is, you know, you lose Anthony Swartz, you lose, you know, Williams and Eli Stowe, they're all gone. And uh, those guys, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much took up a lot of percentages of our offense and the snaps. So, when you're talking about replacing these guys, you know, we have some young guys, we have some talent coming in, but, you know, Elijah Cannon is a name that, that kind of pops out to you. You know, he's the mm-hmm. guy that's been, you know, getting some words about him being a, a big-time target and, you know, may quickly turn into the number one target. Who knows? And this guy is huge. Like, you see him, like, he doesn't look like I looked at number 17, you know, tall and lanky. This guy looks like he's filled out. He can, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a couple of people to get him down. So... So you think about the safety position, you know, you know Jamie Sherwood is gone, and you know Chris Thompson Jr. is the name that pops up that pops up to everyone. Uh, you know, you had opportunity, you know, three-star prospect, uh, Caden Bridges. You know, it's another guy that could could come in and compete for that starting role. Uh, everyone knows Big Cat Bryant. We thought he would come back another year for Auburn. He decided to make a decision to leave and, and go so, go elsewhere. I believe it's Oklahoma, uh, but you talk about someone that can probably fill in his shoes. You know, 
you don't have to look no further than you know, Kobe Wooten. You know, a guy that's kind of been mm -hmm. around in the system a little bit, has some experience, and I expect him to, to be able to fill that spot. And then, you know, the other position, the D-tackle position, you know, that's kind of what we heard at last year. And that's what we've been really good over the last couple of years is playing a defensive line position. But when you lose guys like Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson, you know, you just don't replace them that easily. You know, you have to get right. back out there and try to get some other guys back in there. But it takes time. But I think right now, Dre Butler. Uh, Dre Butler is a guy that's a name that's kind of flying around. Uh, you know, he's a, a guy. He's a Juco transfer. You know, he missed Auburn's, you know, first two games, but played a larger role in the defense in the passing, in the passing game. So, you know, hopefully he's a guy that can kind of stand up and, and, and also do something and uh, – you know, and Truesdale got another year of eligibility. So hopefully that pays off for the Auburn Tigers at the mm -hmm. defensive line position. So those are the five most critical positions I think we're trying to feel. Yes, everyone will know about the offensive line. I think that it kind of take care of itself as time continues to go in the spring. Yeah, it definitely will have to be a, a point of emphasis. But I think Will Friend is already, you know, working hard in that brigade and kind of bringing in guys that he had previous – relationships with that I expect that'll continue to take shape but there there's a lot of potential right here and I think you know we're you could look at this and kind of start to panic a little bit that we're in a really bad situation and we have all these holes to fill and all these missing pieces you also could look at it as there is so much potential for so many new guys who haven't had their opportunity yet. And Jason, you always talk about, you know, the the sign of a real competitor, a real go-getter is when you are ready and you stay ready for your opportunity, even when you don't know when it's going to come. And I think we're going to get the opportunity to see a lot of these guys that maybe have been in the wings. Look, there was a time where we didn't know much about Seth Williams. We didn't know much about Anthony Schwartz. When they got their time to shine, boy, did they. And I think there are going to be a lot of guys on this roster already that we don't know what we can expect from yet, but they're going to take the chance to show it to us. And with all of these kind of question marks associated, even with a new coaching staff, I think there's a lot of room for excitement and there's a lot of room for potential growth and potential new stars. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But yes, there are still a lot of pieces that need to be brought in from the outside, whether it's more signees or from the transfer portal that hopefully we can get more bodies in those position groups that, that really need the help. You mentioned uh, kind of along the same lines is that Paul Feinbaum has actually spoken about the Auburn football program lately, and he's actually kind of been defending it in a way. I think, you know, Paul is incredible. Regardless how you feel about him, I know some Auburn listeners really don't like him. I work with the guy, and I think very highly of him, and he knows a lot. He really does. And I think that, you know, on the one hand, he mentioned that the Auburn football program is, quote, an absolute mess and, and basically was saying that Harson is inheriting a, a lot of difficulties off the jump. And while that's somewhat harshly worded, I don't think it's necessarily incorrect that there there are a lot of changes and moving pieces. And even since Harson has been hired, a lot of the guys deciding to leave and, and how much kind of controversy was around the program because of the whole Gus Malzahn, Kevin Steele, it was kind of 
kind of dramatic and gossipy and it wasn't a great look. And so I think Harson has to come in and, and right a lot of those wrongs while building a new staff, a new team, a new culture. That That's no small feat. But what Paul also said was he, he spoke very highly of Harson. He feels like this is a guy who's, we're not going to have to worry about NCAA investigations. He's going to do things the right way, which is really what we all loved about Malzahn too. We were never one of the controversial programs in terms of how we handled our business and how we handled players and recruits. Like, I expect that Harson's going to follow in that regard as well. But he's also got a winning record, and he's proven himself on the stages that he's had the opportunity to be on. So when you hear stuff like that, Jason, and, and you hear the input of people in the national media that are seeing, you know, problematic aspects of this football program, but also encouraging the hire of Harson. Do you agree with that them in that regard? Does it encourage you to think that the media may be getting it right on this one? Well, everyone loves to hear negative stories in the news, right? You know, it's like the first thing that gravitates and grabs people's attention. You know, no one wants to hear about, you know, the positivity things that are going on. And it's, it's sad because, you know, we live in that type of environment right now. But you think about the things that, uh, you know, Paul was saying, yeah, like I said, he was saying that, you know, Auburn had some problems, which we already knew, you know, there are some issues right. going on and otherwise they wouldn't have been making changes. Uh, but at the same time, it, it didn't have anything to do with the character of Coach Malzahn. You know, he was a great character right. guy and a great person. I think it just had more to do so with how the communication went within the program. Um, you know, you have to be willing to be able to communicate at a high level uh, and, and kind of get along with everybody. You know, there's times yeah. if you don't feel like doing certain things, but you have to, you know, that's just the job that you've been given. You know, it, it it takes a lot to be a head coach of a college football program. It's not just about Monday through Friday and getting the guys ready to play on Saturday. You have to go out and talk to boosters. You got to go talk to all these clubs and different people to get these people to donate money to your facilities and so that you can have these facilities for these recruits to come in and, and, and look at and, and to help you help you be able to sign a lot of these guys. So, you know, I, I think a lot of this is just there's so much unknown right now within our program. Uh, the 2018 class that we signed, I think, what, half of them have already transferred. Uh, yeah. You know, then you come into last year, you recruit some guys, and some of those guys have left. And then some of the guys that was at the program have decided to leave. This only tells me one thing, though. Those was never really Auburn guys. And so if true. you come to Auburn because of a coach, um, of course, when you're getting recruited, yes, you want to have this this relationship with this guy. But you actually come to a school off based off the heart, your heart telling you this is where you're supposed to be, regardless of who comes through those doors to coach you, because coaches come and go. And I hope these players hear this. It doesn't matter if you're in college or you're at the next level. If you go to a school because just the coach only, you're already setting yourself up. You got to look at the school and see where does the school really fit with you and your heart and really fit in your in, in, in within your family because you're going to go through some highs and lows. It doesn't matter what school you go to. There's always highs and lows. And if you you got to choose these schools based off this is where I want to go. And I think the guys that Auburn signed early in this class in December all said that. They say, "Look, we know the coach Malzahn and his staff recruited us, but they're no longer here, but I'm still going to Auburn." Those are the type of guys yeah. you want anyways. I don't want the guys that I got to roll out the red carpet to every day. I got to get up and cook an omelet for them just for them to get ready to go play football. Look, I need you to be ready to buckle your hat on because you love the game. I think we just got to get back to the old Auburn way. What I mean by that is grinding and tough guys, physical guys, mm -hmm. guys that want to be there. No matter what it looks like at the time, 
you're going to fight through the tough time because you know what it looks like when you do when you do it together. And it, and totally. I think once we get back to that kind of aspect, I think this program will get headed back in the right direction. And, uh, and like I said, I think Paul Feinbaum, like I said, he was saying some things that probably brought to some attention, but he also defended the higher horse. And then look, fans, you can't be on Harson already. How are you already on Harson? Like you really can't be on him. Right. Like he just got the job and you have to give him time to implement his systems, go through a spring. And then when the season get here, you still can't just jump all over him. You got to get a guy time to adapt and, and get going. Like this stuff takes time. You just, it's not like popcorn, right. you know, it just doesn't happen instantly. So, you know, we just need to understand where we're at right now as a program. Like we're not where Tennessee is. We're not where Arkansas was. We 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 in the middle, and we got to find our way to yeah. get back within that top three, top four in the SEC. Absolutely, that was a great analogy, by the way. It's not popcorn. Football ain't popcorn, people. All right, <laughs> it, it it takes longer. Let it simmer. Let it simmer. All right. Yeah. But speaking of the need for tough physical athletes, that's actually something that this basketball program also feels they're lacking. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on on the court. Unfortunately, since we last talked, it was after a, a big win against number 12, Missouri, but the Tigers have lost three straight, first to Baylor, 72-84, to 84, Georgia, 86-91, to 91, and then most recently, ooh, a heartbreaker, losing to Ole Miss, 86-84 to 84 in overtime. And uh, really, it, it seemed pretty solid. Ole Miss actually rallied back from 14 points down in the second half, and then won the game on a buzzer-beater basket by Devontae Shuler at the end of overtime. So that one was uh, incredibly difficult. Honestly, losing three straight sucks, but losing in that in that fashion is never easy. But head coach Bruce Pearl said that a large issue is on the defensive side of the ball. That's really where he's you know grappling with his guys because he he is kind of a, a defense first guy he he is so big on attack and rebounds and physicality on that end of the court and to not see that from his guys and therefore look at this now 10 and 10 record four and seven in the sec his philosophy is that that goes hand in hand if you're not playing defensive basketball you're not going to win games and so he's really calling out his team saying that you know to some degree this is expected when you've got a lot of young bucks on your team they haven't really figured that out yet um but it certainly is disappointing and it feels like a, a bad season now because of what bruce pearl has been building at auburn and the success that we've had in the past several years this is not what he's built, and, and this is not the, the caliber of team and the caliber of season that you now expect to have at Auburn, which is both a blessing and a curse, high expectations are, you know. So talk to me a little bit about how they could possibly flip the script, specifically defensively like Pearl has talked about. Yeah, when you talk about this basketball team, it all started, let's be honest, it started back in the offseason. Uh, you know, not, not being sure about what the NCAA was going to do with the Auburn program. Uh, coming down on sanctions and different things. And then Auburn, you know, kind of put us, put themselves on a sanction where they said they wouldn't go to the NCAA tournament this year. So that took a little bit of lackluster off the season. And then dealing with all the Sharif Cooper uh, talk, whether he's going to be eligible to play or not eligible to play. Uh, so that kind of takes away from your team. And I always say you have to eliminate distractions. Anytime you want to have a really good season, you have to eliminate distractions. I'll tell you what I, what I mean by that when we get to the Super Bowl talk in a minute. The thing is, when you, okay. when you look at this basketball team, this basketball team, these young guys, 
they don't know what defense is. Let's just be honest. They watch the NBA. Mm-hmm. Do you see NBA guys play defense? They don't play defense until it's like game seven or game six in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, it's about, okay, let's lock up and let's play defense. But defense is what wins championships. It's not, it's not fancy. It's not glamorous. But it's the dirty work. That's what made Dennis Rodman such a tenacious player on the Bulls team that, that won those championships. Because mm-hmm. if you take Rodman off that team, I don't care how great Michael Jordan is, they don't win those championships because he was a dirty dog player. Like he was the guy to get in there and get those rebounds, get in there and box people out and, you know, get tough. Like those are the things that people don't see. They always see the guy that's shooting 30 points, the guy that's hitting 35, th- shooting Steph Curry, shooting 35 feet from the, from the three. Like, they always see that type of stuff, but they don't understand, like, the game is won by playing solid defense and not just one individual. You got to play defense together as a group. And that's what made Auburn so special a couple of years ago when they went to the Final Four. They could shoot the ball, but those guys played a great defense. Like, they played really well. And then you think about last year. Mm-hmm. We played good defense last year. Okura, he was huge on our defensive department. And you're seeing the midst of him right now. You imagine yeah. him being on this basketball team with his high school teammate, Sharif Cooper. Like, it'll be a totally different basketball team. But at the same time, this team has got to learn, like, hey, it's not just about shooting the three all the time. That's great. But you got to defend. And you got to defend together. And you hear the from reports is that saying, you know, Bruce Pearl is saying, we got to be quicker on defense. What he's trying to say is we have to be quicker and get into our spots on defense. It's not saying an individual is slow. That's not what he's saying. You can't look at Sharif Cooper and say right. he's slow. No, he's one of the fastest guys in the SEC. But the problem is we got to be where we we got to be where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there. And that's on the defensive side of the ball. So if a guy's the ball is in the corner, you got to get backside. You got to get your butt down there and get there. You can't be lazy and hang out. So that's what he's saying about being quicker on defense. So I think of these guys, this is a great learning curve for them this season. I think if this whole team can come back along with some of the two top recruits we have coming in, I think you have an opportunity to put yourself in position next year to make another run because now the sanction is over with. So these guys know like, hey, we can mm-hmm. actually go to the tournament and that changes your mindset because now you can actually go and play for something that's there. But this year they know it's not there. Totally. Such a good point. Auburn is currently allowing 76.2 points per game, which is the last in the league. And the Tigers are 10th in field goal defense, allowing opponents to make 43.5% of their shot attempts. But they're fourth in the league in scoring at 79.1 points. So they've just got to put the other side of it together. But totally agree. It certainly feels like it's a bit of a learning experience, which – you have a love-hate relationship as a player, I would imagine, because it's it's difficult to get through, but you know when you see it in the rearview mirror, you can pinpoint how important it was. So hope uh, that they're able to get this thing back on track and start with a win over Vandy down in Nashville. But let's talk about the Super Bowl. I want to get your input. First of all, like I mentioned, just incredibly proud of our Auburn guys. Former DBs Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are now Super Bowl champs with the Bucks. Just incredible to see those guys. They've been lighting it up for the past several seasons, but certainly this season and in this Super Bowl, it's awesome every time I see their last name on the back of that jersey flying around. It's it's inc- incredible to see the the evolution that those two have had. But I want to get your input on the game. Bucks defeat the Chiefs 31 31- to nine Tom Brady gets his seventh ring his fifth MVP title it's really not a shock in terms of 
Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, the Bucks win. That's not exactly as surprising as maybe we thought it was a few months ago. After we saw how the season was developing and certainly how they played in postseason, it's not that much of a surprise that they walked away champs. What is a surprise is how dominantly they did it and how disheveled the Chiefs look. I, Yes, Tom Brady led this team to the Super Bowl, but Todd Bowles won the Super Bowl. His defensive game plan for Pat Mahomes and that Chiefs offense was perfect. It was a perfect game plan. It had all of their weapons off their game, confused, out of sorts, and they also executed perfectly. I give so much credit to that Bucks defense. The defensive front freaking ate up that patchwork offensive line that the Chiefs were having to use because they were down some starters. They had Pat Mahomes looking a bit like Bo Nix retreating 20 yards and trying to make something out of nothing, but they just, uh, they, they really, they put on a show, the Bucks did, but it made for a less intriguing matchup than I expected. Yeah, I was very disappointed in the game. Uh, like I said, when I, when I talked about distractions earlier, what I mean is when you when you heard about the Kansas City Chiefs going into this game, uh, first it was the barber uh, finding out he had COVID in the middle of cutting hair. And then so mm-hmm. 20 guys was in line to be able to, to get the haircut. Now all of a sudden you got to hold back 20 guys and they all got to get retested and they all got to sit for a couple of days and get retested again before you actually go into practice. And then your starting center, he misses a whole week of practice because he's under COVID protocols. He has to pass three or four tests that have to be negative in order for him to play. The center is like the next most important person outside of the left tackle. He has to make all the calls on the def- I mean, on offense. And then when you think about that, mm-hmm. you're already without your right tackle. And then your left tackle, Torres Achilles, in the AFC Championship game with four minutes left in the game. So now you're not just having to replace those two guys. Now you're moving people around. You're moving guards to play tackle. And then you're moving you're, – once you start having moving pieces during a Super Bowl week of preparation against a defense that's been playing as great as Tampa has been playing, there's no way you're going to win this game. And that's why I said my prediction was that Tampa was going to win this game because they were going to be the more physical team. Like, it's just too hard. Football is hard enough, and then you have to replace all these guys. And then, you know, our hearts go out to the families of the little kids and everything that was involved in the accident, uh, you know, with Coach Andy Reid's son. Um, you know, that happened on what Thursday. So now you're talking about two days before they actually travel where on a normal Super Bowl, they'd have been there all week already, but then they still in Kansas city. So now they don't even have their linebackers coach who is coach Andy Reed's son. He's a linebackers coach. So now that hurts the communication on defense. So it was just too many distractions going on to, for them to be able to win a championship. And then the way the game started, you know, the punter, how he's the most, nervous guy on the field dude all you gotta do is punt the ball like just catch the ball and punt the ball like (laughs) you you shanking punts you're dropping punts like like come on dude you don't even have the hardest job like yes field position is a big part just catch the ball and punt the ball why are you so nervous and then you know so that drove me crazy and then i feel like the refs in the second quarter just kind of took the game and just took the fun out of it because it was just call after call after call and some of those calls were very questionable and just petty and I do think that I do think from a standpoint that Tampa would have won the game eventually because they're more physical. But you can already see like ah, it just was it just was not they look like they wasn't ready to play. Let's just be honest. They looked like yeah. they were just disarrayed. And uh, you know, you can kind of yeah. see it in their eyes, seeing like they was glazing and stuff. So I was disappointed in the Super Bowl. I wasn't a huge fan of what happened during the halftime show and all that type of stuff. So uh-huh. 
overall, I just feel like the Super Bowl game as a whole didn't have a flow. Most, you know, you can feel the flow of a game. And I just feel like this yeah. one was just like, it kept reaching, trying to find the flow. And it just never could. And kudos to Ty Bowles and Tampa and Coach Aarons and everything he's done and, and everything. Look, Tom Brady, he's got seven. Yes, he considered a GOAT. But let's not give him all the credit everybody let's not foresee like what this tampa bay defense did they did not give a yield a touchdown in the super bowl like the truth be told i thought the the mvp should have went to someone on the defensive side of the ball because they didn't yield a touchdown yes tom had a good game he didn't he didn't have to do a whole lot this game because he didn't even get pressure Uh -uh. and uh and it was never in a position where they had to fight from behind like he's had before in some of his super bowl games this one was completely just domination by, by Tampa, and especially that defensive side of the ball. So, you know, yes, he's he's one of the greats of all times, probably greatest. You know, he's that before we even probably had the Super Bowl. But at the same time, man, yeah. let's start giving credit where credit is due to some of these other players and people that are well-deserving. Like, let's not let people just, you know, float away just to get one bill, yeah. one person up. That's what I don't like. Yeah, I completely agree. I was I was more impressed with what the Bucks were doing defensively, which bodes well for Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, just saying, uh, mm-hmm. than I was offensively. And I think a huge difference maker was how they stopped Tyreek Hill. I mean, if you go back to the Week 12 game when these two played, he had like 290 yards and three touchdowns. In this game, he only had 73 yards. They completely contained the guy. And yes, Travis Kelsey still had over 100 yards, but I think that was kind of what they knew was going to happen. Like, you had to stop one of them. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know they're going to get targeted majority of the game. They're so high-powered. They're so effective, respectively. But Tyreek Hill gave them a harder test in Week 12, and they found a way to contain him, and they took him out of the game Kelsey still did what he did, but then they contained Pat Mahomes as well. And I just, the game plan that the defense was able to put together completely shut them down, which was great and certainly a testament to the Bucks' defense, but it made the game less intriguing because that Chiefs offense has been so fun to watch and so effective. And honestly, Mahomes still almost made things happen in the most <laughs> unbelievable ways, but like guys were getting hit in the helmet and and like it was it was so weird and I agree with you Jason I think you know to some degree as a player you you are able to shut the outside noise out but at the end of the day you are still human and the amount of things that they were dealing with and all the the outside components that aided this look I firmly believe the Bucks playing at home was a big advantage. Sorry, but I do. Like, mm-hmm. I even without, you know, a full stadium and what have you, like, there is a comfort level to the fact that those guys got to sleep in their own bed that week. They they didn't have to worry about travel accommodations for their wife and children. They they were in the same locker pregame and halftime that they use all season. There's a comfortability there. And it looked like they were comfortable, regardless of the fact that they were playing on the biggest stage after being seven and nine last season. So mm-hmm. I just, it, it seemed very outmatched. It seemed like the Bucks were honestly so many of those guys. I feel like that was their best game all season. And for the Chiefs, it was the polar opposite. That was their worst game. It was, they just, they never looked like they were on the same page. So disappointing in terms of you know just as a football fan I just wanted to see a heck of a game to close out the season and it really wasn't all that compelling but if you're a Bucks fan if you're a Tom Brady fan you probably walk away from this one pretty happy 
But another guy that has got to be feeling pretty happy right now is K.J. Britt after one heck of a week down at the Senior Bowl here in his draft stock rise as we speak. So I think it's a great time to go ahead and bring him in, hear all about what he's been up to and the season that just ended and, and how difficult it was for him to be out for the entire season. So let's go ahead and bring K.J. in now. Well, everybody, Jason and I are so excited to welcome in our guest. We have former Auburn standout K.J. Britt here with us today, ready to talk about his time down on the Plains and what's next for him. So let's welcome him in, K.J. War Eagle. War Eagle. Actually, I'm, I'm going to throw it back a little bit, Jay. At the beginning of this season – when we were kind of previewing this year and and talking about what the team was going to look like before season even started uh kj i asked jason what what each side of the ball needed to do this year what they needed to look like what their identity needed to be and jason said the defense needs to play like kj Britt plays your enthusiasm and your love for the game is very telling in the way that you play and even though you were pretty much out majority of the season because of injury, your presence was still very much felt by this team. You were still on the sideline. You were a leader for this team. Uh, I'm sure it was difficult for you to, to have to sit out, but talk to me a little bit about how that work ethic of yours developed. Where, where did that come from? Because it just feels like you bring this energy and spark whenever you take the field. Well, I've been playing a game since I was four years old, and um, I really developed a passion for the game. And my, really, my work ethic really came from um, just how uh, I've been playing the game since I was a little kid. You know, I, I, I always was a standout on every level. Um, I always try to set myself apart um, as, as, as a young age. So really and truthfully, like all the stuff that I um, did this year and previous years, really the foundation I set for myself as, as a younger, at a younger age. Yeah, because you got you have one of those linebacker mentalities. When I when I see you, you kind of remind me of a Takeo Spikes back when Spikes played. And uh, you know, both yeah, both of y'all necks are like thirty inches wide. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Man, my, it's, I don't wanna, mine ain't nothing like eighteen inches, eighteen and a half inches wide. Hey, hey, I hey, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell you and you and uh, Spikes out, but I tell you, man, like you bring a tenacious to the team, and the reason I said what I said is because there are some guys that are just football players. They get off the bus and they're yeah. just football players, and you've proven that even through the steamboat, which we'll talk about soon. But your presence was missed this year, and you can tell that's the sign of a, a great leader. When your great leader is not on the team, and he's uh, and he's having to be in the locker room because of injury. And you can see that dynamic, man, it's kudos to the player, but it, it, to the team, they're just like, man, we miss our big brother. And mm -hmm. that's what you were to this team. So talk about the aspect of going through this season this year of having to like watch your guys. Cause I've been there before where I got hurt mid season uh, when I was in the NFL and having one of my best years and, uh, and having to watch it, it, it's difficult, but explain having to watch it during a COVID-19 season and being, and not being able to be out there with your guys. Uh, well, it was definitely different. Um, <clears throat> you know, I had I had high expectations for myself this season. Um, I really went, was planning on doing well, you know, and uh, playing the game. But you know, it was I had a different plan. So, uh, God had a different plan for me in store. So, really and truthfully, man, I, my love for Auburn really what helped me um, stick to what I knew. Uh, also, my love for the game really helped me 
stick to what I knew. Um, that those two things right there alone just really helped me. Um, helped me with my motivation to my team. You know, um, I wasn't there on the field, but I was just trying to be there because I know that this time was gonna fly. I know that this time was gonna um, be different and it'd be difficult. You know, it was, it was difficult not to uh, play play my senior season the way I hoped to. I mean, I came back for a senior season. And, you know, it was kind of like, you know, taken away by, by injury. But it is what it is. And, you know, you know, you just never know how you can affect people just by your presence. So uh, that's one thing I tried to make sure I did was keep my presence on. Um, just make sure everybody still was enthused about playing the game, um, still wanted to enjoy the game. Um, and it is what it is. It's just a game, you know. It's it's a lot It's a lot to the, to the game, but it's just a game. So just, just being there and just trying to – uh, be a good teammate, a great teammate, and just um, just trying to be a difference maker. You know, you can be, your presence could be felt on and off the field. You just got to be a difference maker. That's something I was really just trying to do. One hundred percent. And and the reality of sports is, you're never going to cro- come across a really standout athlete that hasn't been through a period of adversity. It, it's just it's part of the game. And so I think that there will be so much that that you take with you from this experience. Like you said, it wasn't what you, you know, hoped for or envisioned for this season, but I'm sure there were a lot of life lessons that you were able to take away from it. But, you know, obviously there was a decision for you essentially because of, you know, how, how unconventional this year was and the NCAA changing their rules up a little bit. And we had Jordan Peters on the show last week and he talked to us about being faced with that decision. So given the fact that this past season was essentially taken away from you due to injury, give us a little insight into how you ultimately came to the decision that, uh, you know, even though this season didn't look the way I thought it would, I still feel like it's time for me to close that chapter. How did you ultimately come to that decision? Well, I graduated uh, first and foremost. Um, I got my degree in business, um, business administration, with a focus on supply chain management. So I got my degree. Um, right, I've been over four years. Um, you know, I could have left last year um, and, and go to lead by chose to come back. So that really had a big effect on it. Um, I also just, I just knew that you know that I, I feel like I, I had enough film. Um, I played, I didn't wear a shirt, played a lot of ball. Um, I had enough film, you know, that I could show what I could do. I mean, and just another step in life, you know, just if you prepare for it, take it, you know, go out on faith yeah. and take it, you know, don't have any regrets. So this is what I did, what I had to do, and you know, just hoping for the best. But at the same time, you know, just what I, just really, just what I expect. I just expect. You know that um, just I expect to hear my name called in the draft, and um, and then just on to the next chapter. Yeah, man. First and foremost, from Taylor and myself, we want to say congratulations to you on your business degree um, yeah. and, and graduating on time. You know that's a big key, man. Like I tell guys, you have an opportunity to be in college, man. You're in some school, anyways. Why not go ahead and, and take classes and and make sure that if you have an opportunity like you did, you can go ahead and pursue your dream and not. You know, have that weight of your shoulders or want to finish school at the same time. That's kudos to you. We're going to fast forward a little bit to the senior bowl. Like you missed a, pretty much most of the season this year. And then you go to senior bowl week. It's a big week. It's in Mobile. Uh, I can remember it like yesterday. Of course, y'all played in a better stadium than we did. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, man, like that week can be so much fun. And at the same time, 
you can somewhat feel like you're a meat cattle because you have to, I don't know if y'all did it the same way we did it because of COVID protocols, but you have to, they do your arm test and they do your hand test and they do the, the feet, the height, yeah. everything. And, uh, you know, you can feel like you're on a meat market <laughs> for a second, but, you know, tell us a little about the experience that you got this week, uh, being at, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, being at the senior bowl, but man, you got outstanding reports. And then I saw some of the game, you made some really good tackles. And you really put yourself out there because a lot of guys might have been shy about it because of the fact that they missed so much time. They'd be like, man, I don't have my rhythm and all that. But you yeah. went full force ahead. And uh, you went down there, and, man, you really positioned yourself to be in a great position going into the draft. Tell us how Senior Bowl week went for you and, and how do you feel coming out of it? Well, it's still a game, you know, no matter who you're playing against. Um, it's still a game. So, um, I've been playing, like I said, I've been playing this game for so long. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, overthink the game. You know, people can get up under lights, and you know, the conditions could change, and the people around you could change, but it's still the game. So, um, I, I just really just did what I had to do, did what I did, didn't put no pressure on myself, and just had fun playing. And then, you know, I, I, I really just realized, like in football, like your outcomes. You know, it comes through, like, your actions. You know, if you have great actions and great intents, like, your outcomes, they will be great outcomes. So I just had great intentions. I wanted to play the game. I wanted to because I missed so much ball. I was wanting to test my thumb out. Um, I just went out there and had fun, man. And it, it, just, it is what it is, and, you know, the rest is history. But I really just wanted to – I really just, I really never think it didn't really – you know, care about like all the negatives that people had to say about me or all that stuff. I just want to play the game, man. So that's just what I did. I've always thought that the Senior Bowl is such a great opportunity to really evaluate the next generation of NFL guys. And in your situation in particular, it was a phenomenal opportunity, but it was up to you to take advantage of it. And you absolutely did. And I think that that is even a testament to the type of player you've been on the college stage and the type of player that some team is going to be lucky enough to get in the league. So as you prepare for that big weekend in April and the next chapter of your playing career, what did the next few months look like for you as, as you prepare for the draft? Uh, well, I'm training right here in Pensacola at SOS. Um, just trying to make sure I get my times are uh, efficient and great. But that's really and truthfully, that's, that's really my main goal right now, just uh, make sure I'm training right now to put myself in the best position for my pro day. Um, also, I mean, just that's my training focus, you know, trying to take my game to the next level with my IQ, um, still studying ball. Um, just really make sure I'm staying on top of myself. And also, like, I'm, I'm enjoying not being a part of a team, like, kind of, because, you know, I've been a part of the team so long, and, uh, like, you know, it's just – it's it feels different, but, like, it's crazy, you know, that it is what it is. So, um, uh, that that's too. But right now I'm just really training and really just focusing on myself. You know, football is so much bigger than just football. It's about character as well. And I think you're one of the great character guys that come out of Auburn. And, um, you know, like I said, some, some teams are going to be lucky to have you, uh, especially if they're sitting the caller on defense, uh, making plays and, and making those calls, man. You Like I said, you carry yourself well on and off the field. Continue to keep doing what you're doing. Um, like I said, you, you represent Auburn well. You represent yourself well. Being from Oxford, Alabama, uh, pretty sure everybody's rooting for you, pulling for you. Man, just keep your head down. Keep sewing what you can control. You can control and don't worry about nothing else. Yes, I appreciate it, JT. Mm -hmm. 
wise words from J. Cam. Mm-hmm. He's full of wisdom. You know what I mean? You just you take it all no, in. Uh-huh. Man, I'm thinking, man, like it's crazy. You know, I used to go up playing Madden with Jason uh, when he played for the Redskins, and uh, it's crazy. You know? yeah, it's crazy how life goes full circle, and uh, it does. Yeah, I know. yeah. It does. Well, he's right. I am going to wrap it up with actually a few questions that I've gotten from fans on Instagram. So I will just ramble these off for you and then you will be on your way. The first one is actually about uh, the future of Auburn football. Obviously, you know, you you move on to, you know, new things and a new chapter. And honestly, so does this Auburn football program, a new coaching staff and, and kind of a new era. I know you're, you're kind of removed from it at this point, obviously moving forward into the NFL, but with, with what knowledge you do have of, you know, the, the coaching staff, the guys that are still on the team that you have played with, what are your expectations for this next year and, and this new era of Auburn football? Uh, I just hope that, you know, that the Auburn tradition is still upheld. I hope that it's still a blue-collar program. And um, mm-hmm. just hope the guys still, you know, uh, exemplify their work. It's hard work, you know. Um, people still continue to live the creed. Um, and then just the brotherhood and the family that, you know, that uh, that was established. I just hope that that continues to go. And that's that's really my, my, my expectation for the program. That's awesome. Uh, this question says, who is a coach in your life thus far that you have learned the most from? Um, Travis Williams. Dang right. Oh, T-Will. T-Will. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I talk to Coach T-Will like every day. Um, still, still very impactful um, to me. Just, you know, the passion that he, he, that he had and mm-hmm. that he played with. Um, uh, that was something that that was zero to none, and um, and Miami lucky man, Miami, what he got is God giving, you know, it's just something special, you know, and mm-hmm. it's really off the field, you know, just the type of person he is. He really cares about his players, um, really care about your development, um, but really loves you know and keeps it one hundred, which you know if you got to work on something, he ain't, he ain't too shy to tell you know, and that's something that that you need. Something that you that you got that you gonna have um and, and the coach. Um but at the same time he was coach, but he an Auburn man. Uh that's why I really hate to see him go because he was on, you know, he know he knew how it was in the locker room. He he knew how it was in your shoes, being a team captain at Auburn, um trying to uphold the tradition, trying to make sure that everything like he knew that and that's something that um uh, with his like with his presence, you know, there's just that's just something that you really can't put in the words and how special he is and um it just, it just, you know, he just, I'm just, I was real grateful to have him. That's awesome. Well, my last one for you, KJ, and this may be my favorite, and I think that our listeners really know us well, Jason, sending in this question. What was your favorite restaurant in Auburn? <laughs> mm, it depends on the occasion. Uh, I like the Amsterdam brunch. I love the Amsterdam Ooh, brunch. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, the Depot was really good. I don't know, man. Auburn got some good food. The Mexican restaurant, um, I love. I had to ask my girlfriend which one she really liked. Um, I spent a lot of money there. Um, what's that? I'll be loco. It was really good. Okay. There That's are. Good. There's some and sneaky good spots in Auburn. And honestly, they've been adding since I left. So every time I go back, I'm impressed. But KJ Britt, 
We are so thankful that you took the time to chat with us. Believe me, selfishly, I would love to see you in Jordan Hair again, but I know that the next chapter is awaiting you and you are more than prepared for it. And we cannot wait to see what you do on the next level. You're, you're definitely ready. So thank you so much. The Auburn family is behind you, including Jason and myself. Thanks again for joining us at War Eagle. War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.